Blog Talk Radio. This episode of Attention Talk Radio is brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight, Digital Addiction 101, Part 3. Yes, this is Part 3 in a three-part series. If you'd like to access the first or second, um, just click on the links down in our description. Uh, We're going to get to the content in a moment. Before we do, we'd like to thank children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder for bringing this program to you. In celebration of that event, we're anxious to give away free digital copies of Attention Magazine. To get yours, just listen to our show. We'll be sharing a secret word a couple times. Write it down. Listen to another show um, and write down the secret word of that show and then just email me the the two words. That's all you need to do. Email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com. When we get it, we'll forward it to Chad. We'll get you a PDF copy of the current edition of Attention Magazine and they'll send you a PDF copy of the next edition when it's in print. We have a little tip that we're going to share with you that Chad made and we'll get into the show. Women diagnosed with ADHD in adulthood are more likely to have depression, be stressed, and have low self-esteem. It's recommended they talk to a professional to develop better life and stress management strategies. But here are some tips. Identify the sources of stress and make changes. Develop healthy self-care habits, such as getting adequate sleep, exercise, and good nutrition. To learn more about ADHD in women, visit chad.org. Thank you so much, Chad, for your continued support. For those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. We encourage all of our listeners to either donate or become members to support Chad. Financial stability is really important for them to have the resources to have people lobbying uh, on Capitol Hill for the ADHD community and working with different regulatory agencies on wording to make sure that uh, those with ADHD get the accommodations that they need in order to thrive. Again, for more information, to donate or to uh, become a member, go to chadd.org. Okay, everybody, I'm uh, really excited about our show tonight. Jan, tell us about today's special guest. Jeff, we're happy to have Dr. Clifford Sussman as our guest. He's a child and adolescent psychiatrist and psychotherapist who's been a pioneer in recognizing and treating Internet gaming disorders since 2008. This was long before it became recognized by the World Health Organization as an official diagnosis. As an expert consultant, Dr. Sussman helped develop the first digital use disorder track at Karen Renaissance Treatment Center in Boca Raton, Florida. He is a frequent educator and presenter on this topic, and he trains other clinicians as well. As a programmer, software developer, and gamer himself, he is dedicated to helping people achieve healthier, more balanced relationships with digital technology. You can learn more about Dr. Sussman at CliffordSussmanMD.com. Okay, with that, Dr. Sussman, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. How are you, Jeff? I'm doing great. I'm, uh, I'm really excited. We've done two shows leading up to this um, um, this very, very, very enlightening topic about ADHD and screen addiction, everyone. In our first show, we really talked about the biology, and I thought that Dr. Sussman had done a spectacular job um, about making the t- 
talking about the biology and he's got some great videos that you can get some visuals and you can begin to understand the biology. And then the last show, we talked about the hard part about uh, basically how we've learned so much about how our brain works that the engineers of a lot of stuff on the digital world um, are, are preying on our more automatic primitive brain, which is kind of creating a problem and how this is really an issue. And then at the end of it, I kind of talked about how a lot of people might be kind of critical of what we're doing by talking about screen addiction and like, you know, this is not an easy space. And I think it's really important that we say that it's not easy because it's not easy and that we really kind of get into, because I think if you meet it at where it is, um, it really makes a lot of sense. Now, leading into the show, Dr. Sussman, you had said something that was profound to me is looking at addiction as a stigma um, and that there's a lot of people out there. I mean, every you, you walk down, people people are like walking in Manhattan across the street with their head buried in a cell phone or their heads buried on like texting people when they're driving. This is pervasive. I mean, yep. it's 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 it's, it's it, there's a lot of it out there, and it's getting worse. It's, I, I like to describe us as a as a global society of functional techaholics, with with a with a whole with a much larger number of us. Um, than people realize who are really struggling with this problem and have it to to such a severe extent that they really need some help. So certainly people are really struggling with this because they're really struggling with it, but what is the role of stigma playing all this? Well, I think because um, it's, you know, technology use is so pervasive. I mean, in fact, even though there's tons of biological and psychological research that shows tremendous overlap between, uh, you know, technology addiction and substance addiction, and uh, much of which we've discussed in our last two um, radio shows, uh, despite that, um, a lot of experts are hesitant to call this an addiction. Uh, it's not even in our official um, DSM yet. It's it, you know it, it probably will be in the next version, but um, you know there's there's a lot of sort of backlash against calling this an addiction because um, because technology is just so ubiquitous and um, you know I I like to argue that just because so many people have a problem doesn't mean it's not a problem. I mean uh, history has proven that. You know I that. That um, you know, we we really so so, you know, while many people may not have the problem to the point where they're ready to ask for help, I think there are a lot of people out there who who really do, and they and they might ask for help if there wasn't the stigma attached to it. Like, oh, you know, everybody uses technology. Why can't you control it? You know. Um, yeah. But the truth is that many people are struggling to control it, and I really want to encourage listeners out there who are having this problem or who have family members with this problem to go out and ask for help. Right. So I, I think you really brought up – I mean, this is – what is the word digital? What, I mean, what is that? How do you isolate it? And when you say control, what exactly is it? Like, I mean, like, are you are – you, maybe somebody's in control that they're – they won't engage in it when they're driving a car or uh, yeah. maybe not at work, but they might be engaging in it at home and it's affecting their relationship and it's not showing right. up in the work environment, yeah. but they definitely have a control because they have failed relationships as a result of it. Or, yeah. I mean, it can take so many different forms. Exactly. And I think it's happening a lot out there and it's getting worse because 10 years ago, there wasn't as much of it 
there wasn't as much digital form out there even 20 years ago. And look at us today. It's kind of funny because like 20 years we were on dial-up, yeah. and now it's right. moving so fast. And so uh, nailing it down to define it for the DSM is, makes some sense to me. Before you just throw something blanket out there, you actually kind of get your arms around it. It is a pronoun, so what exactly is it? But yeah. I think that the, the important thing is is – if you listen to our first show and talk about the biology and the challenges of there really shouldn't be a stigma because as you you know, the bunch of techaholics out there and it's getting worse and people need to reach out because biologically yeah. we were we were it was we were, it was baked into us to survive and now much of the internet is playing prey to this stuff and they're it's, you, yeah. you call it clickbait. So people are moving in that direction, but they need to get some help, and they, they need to understand what's going on. I mean, a good psychiatrist or psychotherapist, their primary goal shouldn't be to treat an illness. Their primary goal should be to help a person function better, to help a person um, uh, thrive, to help a person feel better, um, to help a person, and maybe long-term, not just short-term, um, to, to, to help people get better, even at some things they may already be good at. So, um, you know, I don't even think it matters so much that there's not an official DSM diagnosis for it. The point is somebody's life is torn yep. apart by using technology. If yep. they've lost all their relationships or they've, you know, dropped out of school or they're failing to launch or they're living in their parents' yep. basement, like you, we see so many young adults doing now, um, playing video games all day, not getting a job. Um, you know, if, if their life is just a dead end, um, you know, or, or if they're struggling in school, going from A's to F's all of a sudden, I mean, yep. these are people who need help. Um, yep. And uh, they need they need more psychoeducation, which is why I made the videos you've referred to. Um, they need to really understand what's going on um, uh, in their brain, and they also um, need to know the resources that are out there to help yep. them. Yep. So, what, I might as well just jump into it. We got a couple minutes before yeah. the break. So, talk to talk to us about treatment. What if somebody has a digital addiction? They have ADHD, which is a huge self-regulation problem, and they say, listen, I need some help. Talk to us about that. Yeah, so the first thing to figure out is, like, how severe the problem is, you know, and, um, uh, uh, you know, the first step may be to come in and, and um, uh, uh, or actually the first step may be to go on uh, the website of uh, Restart or digital or um, uh, virtual-addiction um, Mm-hmm. Com, I think, is another website run uh, that that Dr. David Greenfield has, a colleague of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's 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 some websites that are that are good. You got to be careful what you get on the internet. Um, yep. Uh, Restart is a center in Seattle for uh, digital uh, technology addiction treatment. Really, the only one I know of like it, and um, they have screening tests on their websites that somebody could start with to sort of assess you know, whether maybe uh, whether they, you know, truly have a problem. Um, mm-hmm. So that, that might be a good place to start for somebody who doesn't feel ready to come to, say, my office and see me. Um, mm-hmm. Now, the next step may be to come and see someone like myself. I'm a private practice psychiatrist who specializes in this, and I do mostly psychotherapy with medication combined. Um my primary form of treatment for digital technology addiction, just like with any drug addiction, is psychotherapy. 
And as I was saying in the last video, I use largely a motivational interviewing approach, which is a psychotherapy developed to treat drug addiction. Um, so I might meet with patients perhaps once a week for 45 minutes. If they're children, I might meet um, separately with their parents and work on some of the parenting issues involved. Um, and, um, you know, if, it, uh, if uh, you know, if depending on what stage of change I might, um, you know, design my treatment around that, depending yep. on, you know, how, whether they want to be there or not, depending yep. on how ambivalent they are about their tech, about their habits. Yep. Um, sorry, go on. So when you say motivational interview, tell us about what, functionally, what is that about? Uh, so motivational interviewing, um, as I was saying in our, in our last discussion, is really about exploring somebody's ambivalence. Um, it's, uh, you know, you, you try to figure out what's driving somebody's behaviors. Um, you try to figure out um, what's pulling, pulling them towards change and what's pulling them away from change. Uh, and you start to, you figure out by using open-ended questions um, and using what's called an insight-oriented approach where you're really, um, uh, you know, having the patient tell you what they need to do through their own insight rather than you telling them what they need to do. Um, you're really getting at um, what's driving them, how much confidence they have to change, how important it is to them to change. And you're helping them move through the process of, um, you know, really finding themselves again and, uh you know, I find a lot of people find this technique really helpful, especially if they're in the early stages where they're still ambivalent about whether it's a problem or not. Interesting, interesting. So in one sense, you're exploring this on the inside approach. One is I, I, I kind of get their language to understand how they see it. Two is to kind of see where they are. And three is to help them maybe get an awareness of what this is all about so that yeah. they're, they can kind of – you know, it's kind of funny because yeah. I was – I was coaching an individual one time that had gone through detox for marijuana, and it was funny because they were saying, mm -hmm. I want to quit. And it was yep. funny because they were showing up to our sessions, hi, and I was like, you really want to quit? He said, yeah, I really want to quit. And at the end of the day, it's, it's, I'm not a therapist, and I was coaching them on something else, but out of nowhere, they came, I guess I really don't want to quit because I like it. And, I keep, and it was yeah. funny because the moment that person said, I guess I don't want to quit because I really, really like it, the next coaching session, they said, I've got to go back into detox. And it was funny because it, again, has nothing to do yep. with what I was doing, but in the process where they began to realize that they were telling themselves a story that they wanted to, to not do it, but they in fact were doing it. It's almost like they saw themselves. Yeah. It, it, it's just kind of strange. And, and so it's a beautiful um, example. That's a great example, Jeff. I mean, I, I think that often what's happening with, with, people who are addicted to technology is that they have everybody telling them or, or any addiction is that they have everyone telling them they shouldn't be doing their behaviors that they should change that they need to change that they need to stop doing it all these authority figures coming at them um, but they don't have anyone telling them why they're doing it and they don't even really tell themselves why they're doing it um, and so uh, with mo with uh, motivational interviewing first of all you're you, they're in control you're not some authority figure telling them what they should do so they that they can just yep. go and do the opposite to show you um, yep. And, you know, and second of all, you're, you're really helping them figure out what's pulling them in both directions, not just yep. the reasons why they should change. And, yep. 
and and often it's really you you're asking them very open-ended questions to help them explore the knowledge that's already in them um wow. that that they that that they're really just sort of denying wow so which is an unconscious to, process denial that, you know absolutely um I want to keep this thing going, but we've got to go to break. So we'll come back and we'll, we'll continue where we are. Um, sure. Everyone, you've you got to go check out uh, Dr. Sussman's website uh, at Clifford Sussman, S-U-S-S-M-A-N-M-D.com. Our secret word tonight is part three. Again, our secret word is part three. And with that, we'll be right back after these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by gigcoaching.com. And now back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Dr. Clifford Sussman. We're talking about ADHD and screen addictions and the actual treatment. Um, before the break, we were really talking about um, how it's, it's a pervasive problem um, biologically, kind of by evolution. Um, again, we've learned how to kind of prey on ourselves, at least the people um, kind of online. It's a little bit generalization, but uh, a lot of things are coming out on the Internet to sell you to the things that you're drawn to. Uh, but step one is the awareness that is there. Step two is to go in, and I'm hearing this really kind of neat in, motivational interview where you're really kind of meeting the person with where they are, trying to help them sort through to see it and 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 understand what they're up against individually. And I'm hearing yeah. if it begins to click, that's important um, because you really need them on the team, if you will, in order to help them uh, be able to manage that. Is that am I oversimplifying that? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think you got it. And so if once they go, listen, I, again, in my situation, I do this because I like to do it, but it's not necessarily good for me. There's got to be another phase that they go through because they, they built up this toleration, uh, which makes it really difficult, um, I guess, really kind of deal with that at this point in time. What do you do at that point in time when the person says, I get this? What's the next step? Uh so can, can you just clarify your question a little? You're, you're talking about what's the next step for the person who, uh, you know, has decided they don't want to change? or, or No, no, that, that they do. Like, okay, you, you've gone through the motivational um, mm-hmm. interview, or you're, I, I presume yeah. that's kind of ongoing, but we're moving to yeah, the person who's got that addiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've, had, we've built up a tolerance over a period of time, and it's difficult for them maybe to maybe yeah. throttle this back. But just talk about what's – how do you deal with this that piece of it yeah well there are guidelines to how people can start to change their behaviors once they're really on board once they are truly motivated enough um uh you know there there are suggestions in the research that um uh you know you can sort of choose based on how severe your problem is and which works better for you whether you need to do 
uh, like a digital detoxification, like I was referring to before, where you might go two weeks to a month without technology, you know, let all your friends mm-hmm. know you're going to be taking a break, maybe go to a rehab center like Restart, maybe go to a wilderness program, um, or, or, or just find a way to um, completely abstain for, for a, a while until you've sort of recircuited your brain, as we've described, and then um, gradually reintroduce technology or you know, I might just tell people, you know, just go to that approach right from the start where they try to reduce technology. And there's many methods for doing that. Um, and there's a lot of good suggestion on Restart's website, for example, on ways to limit technology use in general. Um, but some more specific uh, suggestions that um, I might make to people, what I was about to say before is that the literature sort of points to um, uh, like an hour of uh, maybe 45 minutes to an hour of being on technology should always be followed by a break of at least an hour being off technology. Mm-hmm. Um, that would sort of be a more ideal use pattern than doing these binges mm-hmm. for several hours. Um, you know, so th- I think that's even more important, how much you use at any one time than how much you use total in a day. Um, and uh, it, so, yeah, go ahead. I, I just I, I can't help but um... – Peter Shankman, we've interviewed him um, a while ago. Um, a, a few stories from him, it's really funny. He's, uh, he has ADHD, and he was like the number two guy, n- 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 second in charge, but the second person in the AWOL news department back in the 90s. Anyway, not to belabor, but I was talking to him about two things. One, he does a lot of public speaking all over the place, and he has two in- agreements. One is his regular agreement, and his other one is his Las Vegas agreement. And the agreement says – when I land, the wheels of the plane have to be off the ground and me leaving within eight hours because, as he says, I can't handle uh, Las Vegas on my own. I'm like, it's just – it's like when I'm there, so I can't right. do keynotes and stuff at the night. It has to be like to the lunch thing because it's, it's, a, yeah. it's, it's, it's a self-regulation issue. Well, I'm telling you that story because when he sits and he does and he's right, he's got some computer program that he's got that he dials in and like he can't – like in his working day, he can't get to certain – places on his computer even if he wants to because he's got a program yeah. that overrides all of that right. stuff and he's put it in place for him to be able to self-regulate yeah. and it sounds to me that that's a little bit of a method a person if it's conscious enough yeah. that they could deal with it something like that where they're there's like many okay methods for for aiding self-regulation and there's many apps out there for for like forcing yourself to limit your own use like focus me and cold turkey you know there's a whole bunch of yep, apps yep. um stay focused uh, but the thing is, um, I've encountered a lot of problems. I mean, there's not a ton of research on the success of those applications, and I've encountered a lot of problems with those apps in my patient population. Uh, one of the biggest ones being that, you know, a lot of the people with these problems can w- can and will just um, hack their way right through those apps or, or <laughs> you know, or do whatever they yep. need to do to, to get around them. Um, that if you're if you really are immersed in an addiction, you will do whatever it takes to get access to your substance, and nothing will stop you. You know, so um, yep. sometimes people can rely too much on on external means of stopping, when in fact it really has to come from inside. You know, um, you see similar things where people say to their their spouse, you know, get me off the computer in an hour, and then their yep. spouse yep. will come in and say, okay, he told me to get you off, and that won't usually go too well. Yep. Um, yep. So, yep. you know, I think that some of the better um, suggestions are to uh, have a tech-free zone in the house 
uh, like a room you enter where there's no technology, where people go to do work, and, uh, you know, um, maybe to have, um, uh, I, I know other suggestions have been to go retro, like to buy like a more primitive cell phone so you're not always tempted. Um, Although that's a similar type of deal, um, yep. maybe maybe get a computer that takes longer to boot up. You know? yep. So yep. you have yep. to wait. Yep. I mean, yep. what the the big theme in my practice, because there's really no established protocol for treating this. Um, you know, like I said, Restart is the only real addiction center you know that has inpatient for this that I know that's out there. Mm -hmm. um, and there's definitely a shortage of providers who will treat this issue, um, which is something I'm trying to work to, to rectify. But, um, you know, it's, it's really uh, the big theme of my practice and sort of my big protocol is that the, we know that the, the driving force behind addiction is um, immediate gratification and, and then the inability to stop. Um, yep, and, yep. Uh, and so I, my, I feel like there's skills that people need to learn to conquer this addiction, um, skills that you, again, you wouldn't try to, to, to teach someone with cocaine addiction or heroin addiction, yep. but you have to teach them with technology addiction. And, and those skills are delayed gratification, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, and early termination, as I call it, where you're, you know, yep. you're, so, so you may have your kid, when they come home, um, do homework before getting on the computer or have, yep. have to wait before they get on. Um, and, um, you know, maybe instead of getting on for two hours, they get on for one hour. Yep. Yep. And um, so, so in both cases, they're, they're practicing a skill. Um, yep. uh, they're not just stopping. They're also, you know, developing their brain's ability to, to wait for gratification. Um, like the famous marshmallow test, uh, yeah, yeah. Where, where people had to, you know, either get one marshmallow right away or have two marshmallows later. Um, that one, you know, that was a test that really, really um, explains a lot about yep, what's yep. going on in, in addiction. You, so everybody, if you go out and you just just Google, I mean, just go to YouTube and put in marshmallow test. It will come up all over. It's very famous. Um, um, uh, research study, I think starting UC Berkeley, maybe I'm incorrect, but there's a bunch of simulations of it, and you'll know exactly what he's talking about. So, um, and what bothered me about that test was, was was that you know they were they were looking at people's tendencies with the marshmallow, and then following them later on in life, and they found that the people who waited for two marshmallows were more successful. But the study that I wanted to do, and what bothered me was that they weren't training those people who took the one marshmallow to wait and have two. And I felt like, why, why isn't that a skill that psychiatrists can train people to do? And that's, that's been a big driving force behind my um, efforts to treat this condition. So, um, everybody, if you want to look this up again, we, we interviewed Autumn Zatani, uh, I think, two years ago. Um, and Autumn was in charge of all the curriculum at Sesame Street, the TV show, the apps, the YouTube channel, the, uh, the website. And in season 43, they spent a lot of time just focusing on self-regulation issues with regard to preschoolers. And oversimplifying what they did is they, they began to, with the TV show, have the puppets and stuff begin to mirror like this is anger and this is frustration and da-da-da-da. So they could begin to feel these different things and, and name them. And then when they would feel frustration, they would teach them to stop and pause and feel their body and begin to belly breathe a little bit. Um, 
and to, and to distance themselves by going one, two, three and brainstorm. Um, and it was interesting, the process, but a reason I'm telling this story is they had a big, a big, um, uh, program around this, basically me, a cookie monster. It was around the cookie monster. Me want cookie, me wait. And that was the theme of it. Yeah. And they were doing this kind of stuff and they actually ran the marshmallow test with all the kids, with a bunch of kids who had seen a lot of the shows from, um, uh, Sesame Street, and apparently they were able to abstain from getting the second marshmallow for like 23 seconds as a result hey. of watching the show, which goes back into the awareness side that we're kind of talking about in order to be able to manage this. Um, you know, it so, actually what that story actually uh, reminds me to mention that you know there's a lot of positive uses of digital technology, um, and it and it's important yep. to be able to use it in moderation so that you can get the benefits of digital technology, which is the reason. I mean, there's there's many other reasons besides its addictiveness that our society runs on it. Absolutely. Tell you what, we need to go to a break real quick. Uh, but we'll, we'll continue our conversation. Uh, again, if you haven't done it by now, uh, particularly if you've been listening to our whole series of shows, you've got to go to Dr. Sussman, uh, Sussman's website at Clifford Sussman, S-U-S-S-M-A-N-M-D.com. Our secret word tonight is part three. Again, our secret word is part three. And with that, we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? <laughs> Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay, do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back. We're with uh, Dr. Clifford Sussman talking about the ADHD and screen addiction, the treatment side of it. And um, Dr. Sussman, before um, you know, we were talking about uh, the people getting on board and, and, and like maybe help, helping them manage some of this. And I couldn't help because we talked, uh, I, I don't know if it was two shows ago, about those with ADHD really being susceptible to agitated boredom. Uh, the definition is where they're physically uncomfortable and they're motivated to escape the plight, or as I say, they're they're physically uncomfortable, and they're motivated to get comfortable for it. And a lot of studies is interesting to me on uh, boredom because the longer you put off boredom, in other words, the more you get stimulated right now, the higher probability of what they call long-term boredom, which is very correlated with depression. And so Absolutely. it's kind of strange, yeah. but I've, I've had some people that I've coached around sleep with ADHD, and as I've come to learn, the most boring time of the day is when your head is on the pillow before you fall asleep. And those with ADHD, they can't be bored, and so they're motivated, so they bounce up and they go grab something from the screen, and then their brain's active. And so it's interesting because a couple times yeah. 
I've worked with some people, and literally, we've sent them off to practice being bored. One woman in particular, she I can't, it's a funny story. She gets a, a YouTube a Uber driver to take her to a park for two hours and has and pays the Uber driver so he come back and pick her up and everything has to be left. And so she's got no way to get home. And it's funny because she said, I was in the park for five minutes and then I slept for two hours when the guy picked me up. <laughs> but I just say that it's kind of funny because it's just this thing that we – in coaching them to go to sleep, is it something that we kind of practice? And some of this is – I don't know how it really relates to your world, but I just thought – in that, oh, in that, sometimes fine. you got to do these types of things to help with the self-regulation to kind of overcome it. So uh, you free Absolutely. to comment can on I that. Can I talk a little? Can, yeah. yeah. Can I talk a little about um, technology use in bed and and sleep? Yeah. Um, so, you know, experts in the field have been saying for a while, even in the field of sleep medicine, that you know technology and bedtime doesn't mix. That you shouldn't use technology at bedtime. That you shouldn't use your cell phone in bed before you go to sleep. You know, you maybe should even keep your cell phone across the room or in another room. Yep. And what a lot of my patients will say to me is, you know, look, I, I need to use my cell phone in bed or else I can't go to sleep. You know, I can't relax without it. Um, and it reminds me a lot of, of people I've seen with marijuana addiction who will say, you know, I can't relax without my marijuana. I can't go to sleep without it. Um, so I think there's some confusion there because – Technology is not an anxiolytic. It's, a, it's more stimulating than relaxing, as is, um, or at least most of the technology people are using at night, like watching YouTube videos and playing video games. Um, and marijuana is also not an anxiolytic. It doesn't make mm -hmm. people relax. But the reason people perceive that it does is because they're probably in withdrawal. And when you're in withdrawal, using the substance stops you from being uncomfortable. And so Ooh. a lot of times people are lying in bed and tossing and turning because they're in withdrawal from their technology. And they get that craving, they get that urge, and they feel like they can't sleep in that uncomfortable condition. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it has a it's like counter, effect yeah, on sleep. It's like counterintuitive. It's not that it's calming you down, it's keeping you from withdrawal. Exactly, exactly. And wow. I, I think, you know, there's, I think too much is probably made of the effect that, um, you, you know, a lot of people just know about the melatonin studies where there was some effect from a, a blue light of a screen yep. on melatonin release. So people were worried that it was like being in the sunlight and it would keep people from sleeping mm -hmm. because of that. I, I think it's, you know, the stimulation you get from using technology at night is a much bigger problem with yep. sleep. You know, if it was just so, melatonin, people could take exogenous melatonin and yep. problem solved. So. As an aside, I've been fascinated at, again, everybody's completely different, but I've had a profound number of people, um, two in particular, said it's, it was a game changer when they started using adult coloring books when they went to bed. It's yeah. it's it, it's not it's they're not solving a problem, but they're kind of they're, it's engaging their attention enough so that they're it's calming yeah. their brain down, but it's not over engaging with kind of stimulating. So, well, um, experts will say to get out of bed and like sit down on a couch or something and do something very relaxing that requires you know sustained attention yep. that that isn't immediately gratifying. Maybe maybe yep. doing a crossword yep. puzzle or. Um, you know, reading a, yep. a, a like a long novel, um, and then you when you're when you start to get sleepy, then you get back into bed. Yep, yep, yep. So, 
we've done all we said a lot of things that come around but to me i want to get to the meat the heart the most difficult part about this that's really kind of a trick and that is our primitive brains like dopamine and have been rewarded for hundreds of years with survival by listening to it whether it's procreation or chasing some things down and so it's baked into our brain to be drawn towards uh, things that elicit dopamine and society today yeah. has cracked the code we have digital means millions of years, yeah. millions of years. Go ahead. and our brains like it it enjoys it it's fun it's instant yeah. pleasure it feels really good we're drawn to that and we're in a society where it's a society that's figured out how to beat its brain at its own game and so now we're prey and at the end of the day the hard part is you said the person's got to be on board that's 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 a challenge in and of itself. But at the end of the day, this is uncomfortable. It's yep. you do these things because your brain likes it. it's uncomfortable. It takes a lot, a lot. I'm not saying it's like you're gonna be uncomfortable for the rest of your life. But yeah. again, an orgasm is an orgasm to draw us to procreate, to to, yeah. to to multiply. It's that's what it is, and that's that we're drawn to that. And not doing that is not a simple task, and it takes yeah. more than just a quick fix. And that's why this is yeah. really such a challenge. And I think that's why you need help with this particular space to kind of help you help yourself. And to me, Dr. Sussman. You're doing yeoman's work on this. We're trying to explain it to everybody, but the end of the day is you've mm-hmm. got to be on board with it, and people will tell themselves a bunch of stories like, I really, I really don't like this or I want to quit. But when you say that you do, it's still this kind of hard part. So, I, I, again, I'm not trying to scare everybody, but I think sometimes if we minimize it, make it sound simple, it's not that big of, it, it just, it just it takes yeah. away from that. So do you want to speak to this just a little bit as we begin to wrap it up? Well, it's an excellent point that doing most forms of, of – uh, mental health treatment is, you know, requires us to go through some discomfort to get better. And, you know, with a good therapist, it can be done so that, that you, you, you experience the minimal amount of discomfort that you need to experience to, to treat the problem at your own pace. Um, and you're sort of in control of how much discomfort you're going through at any one time. And you, and you sort of, you know, uh, calibrate it to how much you can take. But what you're doing is at least you're having some control over the amount of discomfort you get. Um, and, and so instead of just, um, you know, getting lots of pleasure and then a tremendous amount of discomfort when you hit bottom, um, that's just endless. <laughs> you know, yep. what you're doing is 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 you're, um, you know, you're, you're actually doing really important work, and work is always uncomfortable, and the work is getting you towards a place where your life in general is going to be filled with a lot more comforts. Um, so, you know, and a lot more pleasure and a lot more reward. And so um, it's just they're important long-term rewards and, and yep. forms of true gratification that you can't get from playing Candy Crush. So, yep. um, you know, I think that... that it, it, like you said, it's uncomfortable, but it's worth it. And that's why I think people – when people realize that is when they come in for help. And so as to begin to wrap up this three-part series, Dr. Sussman specializes in uh, digital um, addiction, and I focus on ADHD. What we try to do in these three shows is really try to take a look at the biology about uh, around dopamine and the commonality between addictions and ADHD. We started talking about – how, again, as I've already said in the show, is that our, 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 our reason we're here to procreate is a result of some of this stuff. And now we're actually having to beat our brain at its own game 
And so with ADHD, the notion that it's very much a self-regulation issue, the ability to direct an action back on ourselves to change their behavior, to change the future. It's the ability to pause and stop and make a different choice. And I, Dr. Sussman, when I'm coaching people with ADHD, that's the single greatest thing that we can do. If I can help them begin to do that and make a different choice, it's great. Whether they say, listen, I'm going to create an environment that inhibits my ability to get to some of that stuff so I can self-regulate, or what do I do when I'm in that to be able to self-regulate? This is not an easy thing to do for those with ADHD, but I know that it can be done. And it's really about kind of getting on board. But a lot of that all begins with the awareness and the understanding. And as you and I took it, this is not about your individual, your soul, or your character. This is very much about biology. And as I like to say, is it's a bit, bit of witnessing your brain in its natural habitat and then beating your brain at its own game, both with ADHD, yep. digital um, addictions, and the two of them, which, again, I don't want to minimize it. It's it's not it's not an easy thing to do but it can be done so with that said anything there's tremendous it, comorbidity there too absolutely um yeah. anything else any other comments before we wrap the series up well i guess i just want to say that um you know i i think that psychoeducation is a wonderful positive use of digital technology and i hope uh, you know, it's really been a pleasure doing this series with you, and I hope that people are out there are checking out all the other wonderful videos you've done. I think you've done so much for psychoeducation, and I really do appreciate it. I hope your well, listeners as well. Well, while we're thrilled with that. We're also thrilled with what you do, and I really like your YouTube videos. They, they by far the first time I ever sat down, what walked somebody through the process because so much we just deal with the emotion. And to me, what I liked about it is that it laid it all out in really logical format, so you can move the emotion away, which is much more easy to deal with it and to kind of move forward. So I'm I'm uh, I'm thrilled with what you're doing and the resources, which is actually why we had you on the show. So, Dr. Sussman, thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. This concludes our three-part series. I hope you've enjoyed it. Go back and listen to these a couple times. I'm sure that you've missed a few things, and uh, we'll catch them the second time. Um, again, check out Dr. Sussman's website at uh, Clifford Sussman, S-U-S-S-M-A-N-M-D.com. And, uh, again, Dr. Sussman, thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. You take care, Jeff. So everyone, that concludes part three of our three-part series on ADHD Digital Addiction 101. We hope you've enjoyed it, found it very insightful. To get access to the uh, two prior episodes, if you missed it, just click on the links in our description. With that, we hope you've enjoyed it. So remember, the secret word tonight is part three. Catch us next week for another great edition of Attention Talk Radio. Take care. <laughs>